Hey, podcasters. Welcome to Amassed Community Talks, where Amassed founder and CEO, Boaz Gilad, speaks with business professionals each week who inspire growth and change in their industry. Amassed Community Talks is sponsored by Amassed, the go-to wholesale marketplace connecting the construction industry with local suppliers. Check us out on amassed.com. Hey, Nick. Hey, how's it going? Going great. So it's, it is night where you are. Tell us where you are. Yes, I'm in France right now, um, in the south of France. Uh, the country is uh, back down on lockdown because of the uh, virus that's going around right now, and it's it's spiking in Europe again. So with some friends in, in the south of France, and yeah, that's where I'm so at right now. So you're doing a little curfew, right, uh, in France for now? Yes. Uh, no, now it's actually like a full lockdown. Um, oh, really? Like, oh, I'm sorry yeah, to hear it's not as uh, intense as the lockdown that we had in uh, in the spring, but um, it's it's pretty strict right now. So, I got you. Well, hopefully yeah. we'll uh, go through that together and let's talk about a little bit of the future. But before we start, Nick, yeah. uh, so first of all, thank you for being with us. Really exciting. Uh, yeah, we we moved our uh, regular weekly uh, Instagram live to an earlier time, uh, which is thank you. I appreciate it. Oh, of course. What a question. We have the a great uh, opportunity to do more of an international uh, Instagram live. So uh, before we even start, Nick, tell, tell us a little bit about you personally. Uh, whatever you want to say. Where do you actually live? <laughs> what do you do? Why are you on this, uh, you know, kind of uh, live experience? Anything. Yeah, so I, um, I'm right now like an architectural designer. I, I'm from Los Angeles, California, um, and lived in Chicago for, for my high school years. Um, I studied at the University of Southern California. Uh, I studied architecture in the, the five-year program. Um, mm-hmm. I took some time off. Is that a uh, during... program? Is that the, the five-year program, the master's, basically? or It's, it's not a or... master's, but, it, but it's accredited by NCARB, which is the, the body that uh, you, know, you get um, licensed through in the U.S., as an I architect. You. I got you. That's why it's longer. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it so means you sorry, don't you. have to. No, it's okay. It means you don't have to um, get a master's degree uh, to be able, in order to become licensed in the U.S. And uh, during my uh, studies, I took some time off to uh, intern um, in an office in Tokyo, Japan, at Shigeruban Architects, and then at. Oh. Uh, and then at more Kusunoki Architects in uh, Paris, France. Um, and that's actually where I work at now, uh, currently. So you have, so after growing up uh, in California, dude, uh, <laughs> you went to Japan for a while, and now yeah. you're in Paris. Wow, the life of the rich and famous. Sounds very glamorous. <laughs> I'm very, very yeah. fortunate, yes. Um, I, I returned that's- to LA for, for one more year, and worked in Detroit for a little bit, um, but then I ended up back in Paris about uh, nine months ago. So, so that, that's really yeah. great because you really have a more of a global exposure to what's happening with design architecture. Now, I don't know how much you know, but I'm going to kind of uh, remind to the people who are joining us and we're going to reuse this uh, material also on a different social media platform. Um, okay. So a mass is a marketplace for construction material. I've been a real estate developer for 20 years. Uh, ran a decent-sized company, built a thousand of units. When I left the traditional development, I said, you know, it, it, it is mind-blowing to me that trillions of dollars are being bought, literally trillions a year, in material mm-hmm. 
And the, the, at the same time, it's such a traditional old school. Some people still make orders on facts. What is facts? Right. You know? um, so we established a mask, which is a marketplace of construction material. And one of our commitments, a mask stands for tech, transparency, integrity, and community. So you belong to kind of like the community conversation. We want to expand the knowledge, expand, expand the, the conversation around material usage because one of the feedbacks we're getting, we're getting ongoingly, and uh, just so you know, we are in Florida, North Carolina, a tri-state area, so New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, and Boston now. So we really, okay. and, and South California, so we're growing really fast. Um, but one of the feedback we're getting is it's a very lonely industry, right? There's not much communication. People buy the same thing or design the same design because that's what they're familiar with. And how many right. times you and I, as a developer, I can tell you I work with so many architects who designed the way they studied, they studied 30 years ago. You know, even if they right. went to Cooper Union, the great school, one of those like New York, you know, that, that's the same. So I would love you to share with us a little bit of what, what's a difference you saw between uh, working in Japan, working in California, and working now in Paris as an architect and designer. Yeah, so I, I think that, uh, I think there are a lot of similarities, I would say, um, with, uh, with, you know, those, those different offices that I've worked in um, throughout the world. But uh, I would say that that uh, it, it really depends on what type of office uh, you know you've been at and and um, and what the direction is. So I've been very fortunate to work under some very successful uh, architects and thinkers, um, and at those places uh, they're already you know they're always looking for the next thing, the next uh, you know supplier, the next product to use and maybe even feature in their, their buildings um, to kind of be... Let me, at the, let me just, uh, let me just uh, interrupt. So yeah. you're, you're saying your experience is that cutting-edge architectural uh, uh, firms actually are pursuing new material and new usage of material worldwide in their area. Is that correct? Yes, it, it is. Um, it it wow, is. That's, and it's, that's amazing. That's very, that's very good news because... Uh, again, more of kind of like from the ground uh, up uh, mentality. I, I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled to hear that. One of, just to add one to what you just said, would you say that uh, is it only in the top-notch architects or is it trickling down when you look at how people teach us architecture? Would you say it stays in that kind of like supreme level, luxury level, or do you mm. trickle down to other architects? I, I'm not sure yet. I, I think for now, um, I think maybe the process historically and, and looking forward is that it does start with, uh, with maybe, you know, with, with architects who have larger clients and, and a, a larger worldwide platform, I would say. Um, for example, uh, you know, Shigeru Ban or, or um, Mori Kusunoki and, uh, I think that um, at these places, their their clients kind of give them trust and and want to um, potentially you know take a little bit more risk uh, with with products that um, haven't necessarily been been used uh, on a on a larger would, scale. Would you say that because people who work with those architectural firms actually uh, buy? It's almost like buying art. Like you can say, I use the Gary's building. Why I build, you know, Moses. Like one of like you know, like yeah, one of those right. famous. Would you say that's I, the reason why maybe the developers have a more freedom to tell the architect, hey, take a risk, experiment, do other things that are much much more expensive than the average Joe who's building a a twenty unit uh, uh, residential or an office building something. 
Yeah, I think so. And, and I mean, you, I hope, I, I'm sure you agree with this. I think that um, developers tend to uh, kind of do what's tried and true and, and use um, products that they've seen, you know, hundreds and hundreds of times around the city on other buildings, as opposed to, um, you know, using a product that maybe hasn't been used in the city uh, before, like New York or in the, or in, even in the country, for example. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's I think it's uh, it's such a complex industry. Construction is such a complex industry. Uh, exactly. Architects is a huge part of it, but it's that uh, the 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 intention and the willingness to take a risk is very slim. Because to start with, if you are a real estate developer or builder, you are taking huge risk. Whether it's called financial right. market, stake longer. So I think when it comes to uh, design. Uh, a lot of developers are really scared of taking a risk. What if I do something that maybe looks amazing, but then in the department building, I'm going to prove it or the clients are not going to, even if the clients like it, what if my construction uh, team doesn't know how to install this material? Because one of the, thing, one of the challenges is, okay, you, you bring this extraordinary material to usage, but the framer who is doing the work in the construction site they don't have to install it. It doesn't look as good as I had it visual, you know, visualized. And unless I, I bring someone who's a real expert and it costs me 10 times more to install it and make it really, really uh, unique and special. Exactly. Yeah. And I, I think so that's the difficult. How do we deal with that? Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. So, so I think, um, you know, as, so I, for example, at, at Shiguru Ban's uh, office, I, I was an intern there and, I think as an intern, um, you know, your, your job is to, uh, you know, help uh, further uh, the design thinking, but also to really observe what's happening and, and learning, uh, you know, how, how the offices run and, and how, um, you know, the, the full-time employees are, are working and researching. And so what I observed when I was there um, was uh, we were using are proposing uh, to use a very specific uh, kind of mass timber product that was coming out of Germany um, at the time. And we were examining and kind of researching different ways that this product could be used um, for a wall and for a roof, um, you know, and even for the flooring. And so I think, uh, I think that after going through that much research, um, you know, when it comes time to presenting uh, that to the developer, for example, you know, once you once you have really done the research and, and spent, you know, months looking at this product and, and getting samples of it and getting um, advice from the, you know, the uh, technicians at those suppliers, that's where you can really uh, push, you know, with the developer and kind of tell them, okay, this is, we can actually use this uh, we can install this typically, you know, and people don't actually need to be trained or this is how much it will cost to train these people to install. And I think it, it does take a lot of research to convince someone uh, to, to say yes. And yeah, you know, I think I'm, one of the challenges is that also the you might be very, I can tell you as someone who's been a developer for so long, that sometimes you want to do something innovative and, and exciting, but uh, the, the city is not up to speed with codes. So you exactly. want to do treated wood and, uh, you know, in New York, for example, concrete and steel is the way to get because of fire codes. And then you have to go and really battle with the department building on approving working with treated wood that can be as fireproof as concrete and steel. Exactly. But go convince someone who is a bureaucrat, not bad or good. I'm just saying that's their job. They are mm -hmm. working in the bureaucracy that they will take a risk. And 
just uh, on a personal level, I had a building that we found this extraordinary um, a boilers, a boiler system that was green and and uh, and environmental friendly and, and and saving energy and all that stuff. And we went to the city and said we want to use this. And they said we you could use one of those three models. And we went and installed it. And then the city, by the time we finished the project, which was a year later, the city changed their mind. And we had to rip the boilers and redo it again. That's and, and which, which killed my my spirit of innovation as a developer. I was like, you know, I'm not scanning more risk. You know, so right. I think that's one of the challenges, right? Absolutely. Um, so it's something, you know, in that same train of thought, something that uh, I've learned about over the past eight months, especially. I've been working on a, a museum project in Australia. And Australia, uh, there are very specific codes there, but there are also some very specific dimensions and suppliers there that, that uh, we have found a lot of difficulty um, trying to find, uh, for example, glass sizes and, and lumber and steel sizes that we can actually have produced within Australia versus having to go somewhere else and, and shipping it to Australia. You have, I, to, you have to modify the way you think and kind of understand with how can I work with the local supplies, if you, you know, suppliers, because if you create glass windows that are not really a fit, what is available is going to throw the uh, cost into a whole different uh, Absolutely, absolutely, and and I think with with uh you know with the client um you know it's there's only so much risk you can take when it's such a large project, and you are on uh, the island of of Australia that actually does not have you know a lot of products um, that exist elsewhere, especially in in Europe, for example. Um, So that's that's been something that's uh, it's been an uphill battle. Um, But, you know, it's it's taught us a lot about how I guess the the global uh, construction and design industry works and how um, and how you have to really adjust to code or I guess choose your battles. Right. And and some codes you really do want to push and, and go. I uh, try to see if you can change. Yeah, that's really cool. So, Nick, let, let's dive a little bit to material because, again, yeah. math, um, we connect buyers and sellers. How much would you say, just from your experience and you got exposed to global uh, offices, uh, how much time does your team or people around you, so it doesn't have to be your, you know, the people you're working with right now, uh, spend mm-hmm. on exposing themselves to new material, new practices, new factories uh, on a global scale? Uh, a ton. <laughs> I would say, really? I mean, That's great. yeah, uh, but at the, at the same time, I think it's, it's too much time to be honest, because it's, it is difficult to find, uh, you know, these materials that, you know, that we're, I guess, dreaming of, or, or you know, thinking of using or, or wishing to use um, that, you know, so is you it, it came from, let, let me just understand it. So yeah. did it come from the fact that you're designing, for example, right now a museum in Sydney, so it's a whole different customers would you say or you do the same when you design an office building or residential buildings anything anything um and i i think that you know i think that uh you know we we don't typically uh we we typically design first right design the concept first and and we know what we want um and it then takes a lot of time to find uh these products right because first you can maybe find one supplier who makes a certain type of product but that supplier isn't able to produce uh, that product on a large enough scale for a residential building, um, you know, of, of 50 units or uh, an office building or museum, for example. That's great news for us. 
<laughs> because we're I, all about connections, and yeah, we're working absolutely. with architectures who have to give uh, free access to a mass so they can get to know more material. Because my experience, and again, I'm so thrilled that you're sharing with me because my experience was the opposite that architect designed kind of an intellectual exercise independent of your cost. So, how many mm. times I uh, saw a beautiful rendering, a gorgeous building with tons of glass. And then I went to the architect after they work all this work and they said, okay, here's the next first meeting. And they showed me this beautiful facade. And I said, are you guys nuts? This is a up and coming area with affordable housing. And who can afford only the glass section is going to cost us a million dollars. You are disconnected from cost and material in this area specifically. So I'm, I'm thrilled to, to find out that actually in your experience, you spend a lot of time understanding material, but also understand the cost, the impact and want to adjust the uh, kind of like tug of war between cost and commitment yeah. to design. Right? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And I, I mean, that's, I think that's probably the past eight months, that's probably been at least half of the time, half of, uh, you know, the time designing is, is really trying to figure out what uh, we can find within budget and what makes sense in terms of construction and, and transportation to the site. And, and things like that. And it's been a lot of back and forth with cost estimators and, you know, the engineers and the client. And I think that, you know, I, I just wanted to point out that uh, something that I love so much about working in um, like international offices is, is meeting people from all over the world who've, who've trained all over the world. And, you know, and that's something that, uh, that's something that you're kind of able to, um, you know, that's a, a good way to learn about different products that you might not necessarily know exists, right? Yeah. Uh, studying in Los yeah. Angeles. Well, you, need, you, need, uh, you, need a, you need a mask in your office because you can log in, <laughs> look at different material, who's locally delivered because it's local. And I said, that's really cool. Um, yeah. Bram gave me a secret that you did a really interesting uh, project in Detroit with uh, plywood. You want to share that with us about it? Yeah, so... Um, so in in Detroit, I actually worked for uh, a, a super uh, exciting um, uh, firm called Undecorated. There, I, I think that there's a lot of interesting work going on, and, and that's something that attracted me uh, specifically to Detroit and also to uh, to the studio called Undecorated. Um, and it, while I was there, I, I I did mostly just concept design work um, while I was there, but there were interesting construction projects going on at the time uh, by Undecorated and, and a, a developer called Prince Concepts there. Um, and they're using uh, things like uh, uh, Quonset huts uh, and, and plywood um, for, for housing projects, for example. And they're doing... Uh, so, so the Quonset huts, that's from ground up construction and uh, you know, you can you can search projects like um, True North, or uh, that that's by EC3 with Prince Concepts, or um, uh, the Caterpillar, which is undecorated with Prince Concepts, and those those they're using uh, Quonset huts and and plywood um, to create housing, uh, you know, ground up housing, oh, wow. which has been super successful so far, I believe, and I think it's a it's a very exciting concept. There are other projects there with just uh, you know just all all plywood but i think i think that's something bram is uh alluding to is is my interest um in in cross laminated timber uh and that's something that uh, i was also looking at while i was there and um realized that uh, there i saw an article about a project that msu did michigan state university did mm -hmm. uh, using mass timber 
and uh, mm-hmm. and it was it's the first project in Michigan using mass timber as as the main structure, uh, which is very exciting. I think I know that's happening a lot in Portland and uh, in Canada and Europe, um, but not so much in the U.S. just yet. Something that I found very interesting was that all this timber for the MSU project uh, was actually coming from Canada. Uh, and not coming from within the U.S., the the manufactured CLT, which I think is, you know, I I think that there's probably a huge hole in the market in the U.S. right now. And I I understand that, uh, you know, I've I've been researching this over the past two years since, uh, sorry, it all started with a a mass timber studio at USC. Uh, And we went to Portland Mm -hmm. and we visited uh, Lever Architecture, um, which is a cool firm in Portland that's specifically just, designing mass timber project, uh, projects. And they are working very closely with one or two manufacturers very close by. So all their projects are, you know, they're coming straight from the factory, the CLT, and getting constructed oh, cool. right then and there, which is, design, I think, design, build, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah, very cool. And, so a few and, more questions yeah. we, when we have, well, no, I just want to, because we have a few more minutes. Um, what would you say, just your feeling, your prediction about materials being used, the construction material being used on site? So if we speak again uh, in five years and in 10 years, what, what do you think we'll see more? What do you think we'll, we'll see yes? How do you see, as a, someone who's involved in design, and kind of see what's coming down the pipe? Uh, what do you think will be the changes? I mean, I do think that there will be uh, more mass timber projects in the U.S., um, maybe yeah, well, not is mass timber because of the environmental element to it. Yes, think, or? Ab- absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I, I think overall, my prediction is actually that more and more projects are going to try to locally source things. Um, what I have found over oh, the past eight months with the pandemic, all of a sudden, uh, developers, contractors—they're all trying to find products as close to home as possible. Um, That's fascinating. So you're saying what? If I hear you correctly. You're saying the way restaurants are now farm to table, we might have, you know, uh, farm to building or whatever the, you know, the, the localized globalization, like the, mm-hmm. the, the logistics of uh, bringing marble from India to serve a building in Florida and, uh, and bringing timber from Canada to serve a building in, you know, in Mexico. So you're actually saying that you'll see a trend maybe of more uh, uh, localized uh, ingredients. Interesting. Yeah, I think so. I think so. It, I think uh, overall, I mean, shipping and, and transportation, um, you know, it's it's already changing quite a bit with the pandemic. And I think that, uh, you know, who knows how long this is going to last, but I think that in general, it's it's going to kind of force people to be more creative with their product choices and, um, and, and force, I think, suppliers and manufacturers to come up with uh with some you know more collaborative products uh that they design with architects in the future so you'll see more uh, adobe in uh, arizona and uh, lumber in new york that's what you I, I would hope so yeah i think yeah. that would be, yeah, be great yeah, that's really cool what would you say is going to be your biggest challenge as a uh, as a young architect working uh in the next few years i mean i i think that's a tough question. That's a loaded question. I think that's going to be boring. <laughs> I mean, honestly, it, first and foremost, I think that, um, you know, 
the I think architecture the the industry has taken a major hit as you know as well as in addition to all the other industries that have taken major hits right now, and I think that um, the first kind of macro the macro challenge for you will be the recession looming recession globally right um, right and yeah and I think that's gonna it's gonna have to force a lot of um, rethinking of, of you know what architects do and and how they design projects and how they get projects frankly well I think also you're going to have because I went through the, the next few years session gonna... as a developer uh, I, I'm saying that we're losing your connection again but hopefully Sorry. you can hear me um, so I, th- I think it's someone who uh, went through the 2008 recession uh, as a developer I can tell you that there'll be much more uh, design price conscious uh, elements you know so so exactly. I think that our job, that's one of the things that MS is doing is like, how can I get the results I want, but building with 10 or 20% uh, discount or a saving on my uh, building because I don't have that kind of like open wallet, open checkbook uh, when things are booming. Right. Absolutely. And on a personal level, Nick, what would you say your biggest challenge or one of your biggest challenges in the last few years as a, as a young, uh, thriving architect? I think uh, just understanding actually what I want to be doing within architecture and, and kind of developing uh, my uh, design direction a bit more, but also um, my, my larger goals within the industry and, and kind of seeing how we can make this industry more accessible in general. It's awesome. So right now you're working in the uh, three-star Michelin restaurants of architect. <laughs> and as you're working the line, cutting vegetables, uh, you like, when I open my own restaurant, what will be my flavor? It will be my cuisine. That's yeah, how I yeah. hear it, right? Absolutely. Yeah, really Good awesome. metaphor. Yeah. First of all, thanks for the late hour. And I know you are being on lockdown in, in France, but uh, we wish you a uh, healthy uh, drink, a lot of wine. Uh, enjoy this uh, slowdown in the world because, uh, yeah. because hopefully we'll go back to normal, uh, more normal life in the next few months. Uh, thank you for your time. It really, we've been a fascinating kind of half an hour together. And, yeah. uh, uh, let's keep in touch and you know check out our mass and hopefully we'll bring a mass to Europe. We are already speaking actually with a ma- with a, uh, a very interesting group in Australia, so we might open a mass Australia before we're going to open a mass to Europe. Oh wow! But um, but really, really thank you for your time. Yeah, yeah, and uh, appreciate it. And uh, we'll, we'll keep in touch.